I've never done a podcast. Oh, this is so exciting. So um, it's recording us. Let's just hope that the audio and everything is good because this is my first time doing Zoom, but I love it because I feel like you need expressions and stuff. I know. I've done a lot of Zoom for like school and work and stuff. So, well, uh, yeah, we are. We're back at it. But But you've never done a Zoom podcast. podcast. Okay. I just took like a five minute shower and. so quick I'm like I need to wash myself this is I have Alex in my bed on the iPad I'm like only if it's an emergency (laughs) but it's probably gonna be like part of the podcast if the kids come up and bother me 100% 100%. I know I was thinking I was debating on the shower and I was like you know what I don't know if I'll really be able to squeeze it in so I said we're coming here just full on like this is how yeah my hair soaking wet I just threw on some, some concealer and some lip gloss. I was like, let's call it a day. I have yeah. plain background. I was like, I don't know how this is going to be. Do I look like I'm in jail? Oh my gosh. That is so funny. <laughs> if it was so, beige, I would say yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I, I would not have this ep- episode without you. Like I literally have been oh putting gosh. off this episode because it wasn't going to be with anyone but you. And I was telling You're so funny. like my husband that, and I was like, no, I, this is like one of the most important conversations that I'm going to have. And it's so close to my heart because of it's Mm -hmm. what started all of this healing and, and me kind of finding myself and grounding myself. This is like what started all of this talking about like, and everything postpartum. And Mm -hmm. you are truly like the one person that I felt like when we would talk, we just knew, like, we just knew. Yeah. I always felt like we really connected over that. For sure. So everyone, this is my cousin, Brittany Carr, <laughs> and we have so many similarities. We're both moms of three. You're just girl gang and I'm boy gang. Yep. Yep. It's all <laughs> girls in this house. Wouldn't trade it for anything. We're having so much fun. So Brittany and I sure. met many years ago. She married my cousin. So we're family and it's been so fun because we've shared now two pregnancies at the same time together. I know with the second one, we had the exact same due date. How crazy was that? I was literally writing down notes. So like, unplanned, okay, like, what are these like top, what are these questions I'm going to ask? What are these things we're going to talk about? And I was like, wow, our similarities, we have so many, mm-hmm, so many mm-hmm. similarities, especially like our older one, like our older ones yeah. are from different got the blended you know, families, situations. Like we have yeah. a lot of similarities in that, in that sense too, except you're just mm-hmm. broken. So the set our last baby had the exact same due date and mm-hmm. I think I had to have Zachary three weeks early and you were three weeks late right um I was only about a week late so it made them about a month apart yeah so having the same exact due date and then they have birthdays that ended up being a month apart what's yeah. so funny is when I was pregnant with Alex and you were pregnant with Nora you and you and David invited Roger and I to your house. <laughs> I just told somebody this story like two days ago and I was cracking myself up. Oh my gosh. So you, your oldest daughter, Ren, answered the door with a big sister t-shirt on and we were planning yes. to come over and tell you that we were pregnant. So we literally were telling each other that we're pregnant. It was the coolest thing. And when I thought you were joking with us, remember? <laughs> I didn't take you seriously at all at first. I was like, oh, she's just like playing a game with us. And then it really sunk in and it was just so crazy because then we ended up with both of the pregnancies being pregnant at the exact same time, totally unplanned. Like, what are the chances of that? Yeah. I I was like, I got to find some of our pregnancy pictures because I know we took at least one with each pregnancy. So we got to post those because those are so cute. But I, it's cute because I think about like, um, my mom and like, and David's mom and stuff, they were all kind of pregnant at the same time Mm -hmm. and stuff too. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, a new era of pregnant women. Yeah. I feel like we're kind of bringing in that like new generation and it's so fun to see the cousins together. And it's just, it's, you know, honestly, it ties into this whole postpartum conversation, maternity, everything. We have the exact same due date. And then look at the, they're a month apart. Their actual birthdays are a month apart. Like everything is so unpredictable. Everything is just like, you got to just run with what you have. It just, I feel like that fits into this conversation so perfectly. For sure. So how old were you when you had your oldest, when you had Ren? 21. 
21. So you celebrated yeah. your 21st birthday pregnant. I did. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole I, had, I found out I was pregnant like a month before I turned 21. So I did. I celebrated my 21st birthday with like pretty freshly finding out I was pregnant. I think, yeah. I think Alex said it was my dirty 30. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah. how, cause I feel like even though I was what, I think it was 28 or 29 when I got pregnant with Alex, but I felt like just the five years or three and a half years in between pregnancies, I felt like even just that sliver of being in my twenties versus being in my thirties pregnant was so mm -hmm. different. Did you feel like it was really different? Very different at 21. I felt like I felt so much older as a 21 year old, I felt older than I feel like I feel now. Like I feel like I know less at now? 36 than I felt like I did at 21. Like I felt like I was saying, all right, I got this, bring it. Like I'm grown now. You know what I mean? I said and now this two times in different podcasts that I thought I knew it <laughs> all in my twenties. Yes. And I reflect on that and I go, oh my gosh, I was a baby having a baby. Like it's not quite the 16 and pregnant, but looking back and, and you know that now, um, just as of recently with a job change, I work with teens and young adults into their early twenties. Like some of the kids I work with are 21 and they just seem so young to me. And it's crazy yeah. to think how grown I felt at 21. Yeah. I, I thought I had it all figured out. I knew what I wanted mm -hmm. I knew what I wanted to be. And I was just so mature and I couldn't imagine having like my 21 to 24 years, even like no baby should have ever been in me Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. It it's, you feel like you knew more, but you know that, you know, more now, obviously, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. it was like yeah. we have com more confidence then. Definitely. And I feel like it's taken me, so I feel like as an individual, I had more confidence, but then I feel like it's taken me like kind of the last 15 years of parenting to kind of feel a little more confident in my parenting. Yeah. That's it's hard. Cause there's yeah. so many comparisons. I mean, even us like, Oh, is Nora doing this yet? Or is, is Alex mm -hmm. late? Is this that? And there's so many, when they start walking, when they start crawling, all the milestones are so different. And a lot of times I just took Zachary to the dentist and he had to have the um, lip tie re re release mm. above his mm -hmm. lip. And so the, he was playing in the play area and he had really never been around any other babies besides Chloe. And um, the this mom was like, when did he start walking? And I can tell her concern in her child. And I was like, mm -hmm. to be honest with you, my old, my middle child, he walked at nine and a half months and this one walked at 13 months. So you just don't compare yourself to other children. He'll get there. Like, yeah. And I just, I remember that. Like, I remember even just comparing my two littles, like, oh my God, Alice was doing this and Zachary's not, he's took forever to sit up, took forever to start balancing himself. Mm -hmm. And you just compare with like the middle ones. I don't know what's up with our middle children, but they a are lot of energy. Is very advanced. A lot of energy. <laughs> I am like taking the world by storm for sure. Oh my God. But the little ones, which is kind of like, I think they're the babies. They're, they're literally like, no, we can take our time. Mm -hmm. Let's soak this in. Yeah. Yeah. That's so crazy. Did you um feel like, your body would bounce back a little bit easier with Ren than it was. Compared oh, definitely. Oh my gosh. I was a young 21 year old who was going to the gym every single day. I was at the gym every day. Like, let me tell you, I was fit. So I had an easy peasy. Okay. Sorry. Can you hear the notifications going off on my, no. Oh, good. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that that wasn't <laughs> interrupting us. Um, I had a very smooth pregnancy. You know, I had the morning sickness and everything, but after she was born, I had a, a very smooth delivery. Um, I purposefully changed things from how that delivery went um, by choice, but for, for not being super educated in, you know, delivery and, and all things postpartum, I felt like I had a very smooth experience. I was like out walking the neighborhood three days postpartum, like baby in stroller, like taking strolls around the block three wow. days postpartum. Oh, I mean, 
very very all different three were natural experience. you had all three natural yes okay yes yeah i i felt like i had like one natural and one c-section and they were just so wildly different but i right? mean this is me so i had three natural and i feel like my first two were very very similar and then my last one was extremely different so even that was um, our bodies made my postpartum very different between the three yeah yeah that's so so different did you feel the effects of any of the postpartum depression anxiety or, or any of those postpartum issues with with Ren so what's funny is I did but I did not recognize it like yeah. another thing about the 20s and the 30s for me was like reflecting back and going oh wow like I was struggling during that period like oh wow I was you know I do see those episodes of postpartum depression and with her, it was very brief, but reflecting back, I can see now what I didn't see then. I mean, obviously that happens in a lot of situations, but yeah, I did struggle with some stuff, but thankfully I feel like being younger um, and I had just been at the time with the partying aside, fairly healthy as far as what I ate and, yeah. and things like that and working out. So I feel like my postpartum was overall really good with her. Yeah. Yeah. It's when the younger you are, I feel like you can kind of bounce back and you're not as, as, as educated and in tune with your body mm, and what's mm -hmm. going not on. Not as in tune. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I, I felt way more in, in tune and recognizing it because with Alex, it's only, and I think that's why I feel like when we have these six week checkups, when we, after we have the baby, oh I feel God, like the husband enough. should get one too. Because, oh, also true. Yes. Because I feel yeah. like we have a heart. We're so like taking care of the baby, sleep deprived. And our focus is just baby, 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 that we have no focus on ourselves. And I feel like the husband should be the one to get like, is she like this? Is she like that? Is she doing this? Is she doing <laughs> that? Because we're not recognizing it in the first few months at all what's going on. And it doesn't happen. Well, and not only that, I lied on all those questionnaires, no matter what, like, no matter what I was feeling, I just lied on all the questionnaires because I didn't want to deal with it or be there for like, longer than I had to or be there longer than I had to, or have them start. Like, I didn't want the doctor to start being concerned and like have that interfere with my home life, I guess. I don't really know. Like, I mean, I just lied on all the questionnaires anyways. Um, my <laughs> cousins used to laugh at me because they used to, I remember one time saying like, I always lie to my doctors and they were like, why <laughs> would you lie to your doctor? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't want them to have to like, and I remember there was some point that I acknowledged that I had like, not, it wasn't, it was before I had kids that I had like anxiety or suicidal thoughts and things like that. And now that forever carried on to me. And when I had Alex, I had to have somebody come in and like talk to me before I mm -hmm. left the hospital. And that was from when I was like a teenager. So see? That, and people get it's concerned not the bad about thing that. that they, they check up on you, but it's like, yeah. see what I told the truth. Now they're crazy on me, but yeah, it's necessary. I think, I think they're doing their job and following through, but it does carry on with you. Which so is that's good. Why it's good to see that there is some type of follow through on that because I, um, at my six week checkup with the littlest one, Chloe, who's a year and a half, um, I, I did lie, but there was a couple of ones where I was like, oh, you know, this one doesn't seem so bad. And I really am feeling that way. And I got, di I did get diagnosed with like mild postpartum depression with the last baby. Um, and I was grateful because she ended up taking me off of work for longer. And I felt like Sorry. I really needed that. So, okay, so you could say hi to Prima Brittany. Hi. Hi. Can I help hi. you with something? Uh, I want to get this swamp stuffy for Maria. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about it for your birthday, maybe. Look. He's playing oh, Mario. I'm playing Mario. Oh, good. That sounds fun. Okay. I just want to show how the game works. Okay, real quick. Okay. So, mm -hmm. let's, let's push this. Then. Oh, and I hear it too. Very cool. And there you, can you show go. Nora one day, okay? That's Nora's mommy member. Yeah. Okay. Say bye. Bye. Okay, go bye. mommy's room and we'll talk in a minute. He's really into Super Mario Brothers right now, which I'm very excited. <laughs> it's so nostalgic. Cute. Sorry. Yeah. So you did get diagnosed with mild postpartum depression. 
I did. And I, that was even with me lying on the questionnaire. Wow. Mm-hmm. See, I, it took, I think that I lied a lot with Zachary because I didn't know. And I realized that I was, I started off with postpartum rage. And the only reason why I knew mm-hmm. what postpartum rage was, is because you gave me a book mm-hmm. and I was reading, what was it called? I'll have to figure out what the name was, but it was like, it felt like just this like cartoon version of what like postpartum everything was. And it was lighthearted, but gave some normalcy to like all the thoughts and things that were happening. And it had mentioned postpartum rage. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was a thing. And I was catching mm-hmm. myself being very snappy to Roger for nothing, for absolutely nothing. And it was like, why am I reacting like that? So that was my first postpartum issue. And then I started having the anxiety where I was just terrified of something happening to the kids. I think that's super common, especially. I think I had more of that type of anxiety after Ren, not necessarily like the postpartum depression, but that anxiety was what was really bad when Ren was born. Um, And I think it was being a first time mom. I know you have a blended family, but that was your first birth, right? That was the first baby you carried. Um, So I think that might also go in line with that was my first baby too. The anxiety, like that worry was consuming. Yeah. Cause you're watching the baby breathe. You're watching everything that, that definitely happened with Alexander. I went so long without sleeping. I feel like the whole first year <laughs> I barely slept mm-hmm. because then they say, get to the year mark. And then you're kind of out of that SIDS bracket. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you're like holding on to that 12 month, like then everything should be okay. Like once he's 12 months and then you start hearing about like toddlers. I'm like, what does it end? Like nothing, mm-hmm. there's no end to this new fear of anxiety. That's why I was talking to somebody on one of the last podcasts where they're like, Oh, has your anxiety subsided? I'm like, it's just a whole different beast. Now it's not the anxiety of the, unknown, and that's, where I'm going and that's with it. My life. It'll just keep evolving. You know, I've yeah. got a fifth She Well, she's, you know, she's almost 15. And it's just whole new anxieties. Like she's going to school. I have no idea what happens during her school day. Like, and she only controls what she tells me. Like there's so much that I'm not privy to. Like there's so much that I'm closed off from and you just have to kind of trust. <laughs> and that's hard. Yeah. And you, and you start putting yourself like, what was I doing when I was 15? Ooh, yeah. And I'm like, you forget. You forget. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I, there's a reason I don't girls because they're like you can deal with the boy side of that but I also feel like I was telling Roger I am gonna be so um open about how they are to girls women in general like Mm -hmm. I am going to get so upset if they ever even like have sex with someone drunk and or something like that like I just am so sensitive off of those things because I think I was so taken advantage in so many situations like that, Mm -hmm. that even though it might've felt like it was, um, like I was being declined or something like that, it would have helped shame or something the next day. And it's like, if you really like a girl, then you need to say like, we could, you know, whatever, when you're sober or or Mm -hmm. things like that. So I feel like I'm going to be a boy mom, but like catering to girls. (laughs) No, you're going to be catering to like, um, educating your boys. You know what I yeah. mean? That's Yeah. I, I definitely want to do that. You're, it's a new you're, gen. you're raising them. That I would say that that's like a hundred percent included in, in raising them because on the same side, I'm trying to make sure that I teach my girls boundaries, you know, and no means no, you know what I mean? Um, and it's a hard, there's so much gray area. So that's another hard conversation yeah yeah and I think my family like you just no one ever talked about that kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of curiosity when you don't talk about it and like what it is what happens or whatever like there has to be more open dialogues now because I think that is a lot of curiosity like is why a lot of 
for instance, me went into situations that I wouldn't have gone into if I would have just been informed. Like I was the yep. question girl. I wanted to know why, but why, but why, but why? And I never got answers to any of that. It was just kind of like, yeah, oh, young. we don't need to have that conversation. Yeah. I try to be an open book, uh, you know, taking a page out of Brene. I don't know if you're familiar with Brene Brown, but taking a page out of Brene Brown's book of, you know, the power of vulnerability. Um, I've tried to kind of adopt that philosophy and I feel like being vulnerable and just letting myself cry when I need to cry, not being ashamed to cry out in public situations, for example, um, and just being everything I am through and through everywhere I go, you know what I mean? Um, and letting myself be vulnerable with other parents, other moms and letting myself be vulnerable, um, just connecting with people in general has helped me be that way with my kids mm -hmm. and my teenager can see if I'm having a rough day you know I'm really honest with her about it and if I'm telling her you know hey I'm struggling today I'm having a hard time being empathetic towards you because I don't have that capacity right now you know yeah. what I mean and letting her see me be me be vulnerable and letting her see that we can have open conversations um, to make sure that I can educate her on her nose, her boundaries, what's appropriate as a teenager as far as physical affection, you know, and having the conversations that you and I didn't have. Yeah, for sure. I remember the one single time my mom was vulnerable to me, like it stands out so much to me. Mm -hmm. And I had like a really toxic high school boyfriend and my mom and my sisters were like begging me not to date him and begging me. And I'm like, like mm -hmm. oh, like it's stupid right now that we look back at it and I was just like I love him I love him and my mom was so vulnerable with me this one time and sat me down <laughs> on the bed and talked to me about a really crazy experience she had when she was younger mm -hmm. and that was the only time she was vulnerable with me until this day I can I could vividly remember every word she said to me and how I felt like she was so relatable in that yeah, that's a perfect example of, of the impact it had on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I yeah. think if I had more talks like that, it. but the, I don't blame her for anything. They just were never given that opportunity themselves from their, their parents. So it was just like, don't talk, don't tell, don't say anything. If it's, you don't talk about it, it's not happening. But it, yeah, it, and it, it was even shows... worse for the generation before them. Like, you know, you can see the changes happening generation to generation. And I know you have sisters. I have a sister. And I feel like I've really connected with my sister on our lack of having those vulnerable conversations. Um, and my sister, you know, has only girls. So yeah. my sister's got a girl gang. She has three girls. I've got my girl gang. And, and my sister and I talk often about how important it is for us to have those conversations with our kids, boys or girls, your kids, yeah, just no sure. matter what. I um, think too, what Roger and I do differently with Alex per se, because he's, you know, he's the one that's with us most of the time is if one of us is grumpy, bad mood or whatever, and we project that on him or like mm -hmm. snap or yell, I think we acknowledge that that was us thing and we apologize to him for it and say like you know it's not okay that mommy yelled at you like that I'm really sorry that I did that it's not okay you should not be talked to like that and I'm sure there's a little trauma that's happening there but at the same time like it's okay to mess up and but you have to acknowledge it and kind of like redeem yourself a little bit and I don't think that there was ever apologize apologies mm, in the generation mm -hmm. that my husband and I grew up in and we're trying to to teach him like we're not perfect beings and we screw up we're not I'm not I'm never going to be a perfect parent and but at least I know that that was a me thing and not a him thing and I took it out on him and I want him to know that like I am genuinely sorry and that's not okay I want him to know that's not okay when people talk to you like that or yell at you like that it's not normal. yeah I'm a huge believer in apologizing to your kids when it's necessary you know I've actually had interactions where I have had to deal with, you know, my teenager and say, I'm not apologizing. You're unhappy with what I said, what I did, whatever the case was at that moment. 
And I've had to tell her, no, I'm not apologizing because I felt like I did what I needed to do as a parent. Yeah. So there's times when I have to stand on the line and say, this is it. Um, but there's a lot of times I have to fall on the sword. And like you said, you're owning it. You know, there's a reconciliation there. Um, the kids that I interact with at work lack that reconciliation and you can see the damage it's done. Yeah. You know, you can see the trauma without the, the follow-up, you know, it's a full circle thing. You know, you, you have the outburst, it happens, we're human, but the apology and the reconciliation that comes and bringing it back to a place where you're connecting again is just so important because otherwise you're abandoning the situation. Yeah. And I, and I know like as getting, you know, being married and now you're not just a mom, you're married and that's a Mm -hmm. whole other growth experiment, I would say, because you're taking like two different ways of how you were grown up trying to mold it into this one way of parenting with the both of you guys. Mm -hmm. And I think balancing how you want to parent with another person is like, it's a balancing act actually, because one one's like, that's not normal. It can lead to a lot of frustration. And if you're struggling as a mom, if you're, if you're building that up with your partner, that frustration, if you guys aren't on the same page, that can really affect your mental health too. Yeah. I think when Roger and I got married, we got to a point where we're like, wait, you're being your mom and I'm being my mom and we're being our moms to each other. Mm-hmm. And we're like, let's not, because that's all yeah, we, that was a big like, we had our moms <laughs> telling us what to do all the time and like, do it this way, not that way. And we were kind of just like nitpicking, nitpicking, nitpicking. We're like, Hey, we're not each other's children. Isn't that crazy how we turn into our parents? Oh my god! Avoid that oh. your whole time. And I even see like, I'm like, Oh my God, the Manuel is coming out of me. Like, Mm-hmm. I need to chill for a second. I need to reevaluate the situation again. No hate on my mom, but like I think everyone can relate to becoming like their own parent when they parent because yeah, that's it's you are a product of your environment. <laughs> it's scary when I feel like I'm turning into my parents. Like once I recognize it, I go, "Oh gosh, wow, I don't like that." For sure, I think I I don't know about like your family. Um, line but I know that you know that me and and David's family line there's a lot of um anxiety depression mental health Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and I think about like specifically like my grandma and her siblings they had a lot of mental health things going on but a lot of them had so many kids and when I think about that I'm like they had postpartum things going on yeah, I didn't my, even think of that. My godmother um, that lives in Portugal, her mom passed away when she was like one or two years old. And I never knew the story until like a couple weeks ago, my mom told me that she was having a lot of like mental health things and they took her to a mental health institution or something to try to get help um, in, Lisbon, in Lisbon and she committed suicide. And I'm like, that's oh, postpartum. Wow. She was only one years old. Like her baby was only one years old. She was 22 years old. Oh my gosh. And I was like, so out of those siblings, like there's a lot of those women that had children and then, then had mental health issues, but there was no resources and nothing. And no one saying like, this happens, you know, this is a normal feeling. The scary part is like, it can happen so fast and it can happen without anybody else recognizing it. I mean, it's, it's just so scary. I was, um, I've, I've meant to text you it today. Cause I was looking at some stats and stuff and I, I didn't even realize this, but suicide accounts for up to 20% of postpartum deaths. It's oh, wow. a big percentage. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I can have some goldfish. Um, and then one in seven women suffer from postpartum depression and up to 50% of individuals with postpartum depression are never detected. Wow. I just got a notification. Hold on. Let me see. Wait a second. 
I didn't know I have to upgrade <laughs> to, <laughs> I don't know if I could do it while we're on here. It says, okay, well, we'll see what happens. I put upgrade, but I don't know. But yeah, those statistics are very scary. Mm -hmm. And, um, I dealt with, with Alexander, I dealt with, um, a lot of fear, more fear. Like I was really scared to leave him with anyone with, I, I had like a separation anxiety a lot with him. Oh my gosh. I felt like I had to be in the room, even if somebody else was holding her with my oldest one. Like I had a hard time walking out of a room if somebody else was holding her. Yeah. Even and with Zachary, I have a lot of that. Um, I think cause he had, he was just one of those babies that just cried so much. He was such mm -hmm. a, I remember when you guys came over when he was a few months old, he was like sleeping well, but he was a hard baby, hard baby. Mm -hmm. I know people have it worse, but he was really hard. And that's where a lot of my, where I realized like what truly is postpartum depression, anxiety, and rage was yeah. through Zachary, because I thought I knew it all. And I always called myself a baby whisperer before I even had babies. And with him, I just couldn't figure him out. I, I couldn't. And I just felt like, what the hell? I thought I knew everything about babies, how to calm them down and everything. And I just, I couldn't do it. Like I, I, and yeah. there was one time where your baby wasn't cooperating. <laughs> no. And he, he just, he was struggling adjusting. And there was one time where I was in the room with Zachary and he's just crying and crying crying it was so hard to get him to nap and sleep or anything and I didn't realize the monitor was on and Roger's in the living room listening and I kind of screamed enough and it was that mm -hmm. moment of like desperation and he like and then I see him like creak in the room like check up on me and I looked at him and I just knew like he was scared that mm -hmm. I was gonna do something to the baby or something like that yeah. And I, I looked at him like, I'm fine, but like, I needed to say it like enough is enough. Like, how am I going to do this? And I, I was like, it, it, it was just so hard for me. And it, I think once you have like the textbook baby, which I felt like a lot, in a lot of ways, Alex was. Yeah. Same with my first one. Same. <laughs> and, and to then have Zachary, like it was so hard for me and I struggled a lot and to the point where when that happened then I started real realizing that I was when he was uncontrollably crying and inconsolable I had intrusive thoughts and I had like mm -hmm. visions of me throwing him against the wall yep I knew I knew I wasn't so far deep where I wasn't like in a psychosis and I wasn't actually going to do it but I think the the struggle in my mind was so intense that I envisioned that and then I would cry because I would look at this sweet face and I'm like what a monster I am and I was so scared to tell Roger that because I'm like I'm gonna be put in some like crazy house or something and then I started going through like this is really deep and I need that's when I said Roger I think I need to talk to somebody and thankfully through Roger's work, they have like a program with for moms. And I was on a weekly phone call for, for a long time, just checking in, just checking in, just checking in. And I, I didn't tell her that I didn't tell her that I had intrusive thoughts because what a monster I am, like what a crazy person I am. And it was only really like, I think when that whole Lindsay Clancy thing, which I feel like I can't relate to her anymore because now that everything's come out, like it doesn't seem like it was as postpartum as yeah. we think it might be. But is when I was like, we need to talk about intrusive thoughts. Like, I don't know if you have ever experienced that, but I feel like my babies, I am such a like loving, affectionate mom. And at the same time that I had like enough and was so stressed out about the baby, I was feeling terrible about myself as a mom. Like I wanted yeah. this baby so bad. I wanted another baby so bad. And now like- And now look at me. Yeah. Now I want to throw my baby against the wall. What <laughs> the hell? It's so sad. Yeah. 
And it's an important conversation too. And that's why when I was like, I had never heard of postpartum psychosis either. And I was like, this all makes sense. And all the things that I thought of, like when I first had Alice, I was like, this is a lot of work. Like a baby's a lot of work. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. This is a lot of work. And I started thinking about like the 16 year olds that have babies, the people that leave their baby at the fire station, the people that throw away yeah. their babies, the people that shake and their then babies. anything you do, like, this is what I felt like with my first one. I felt like Anything I did that was negative, like anything I did where I felt like I was messing up, like not being the best mom, I immediately felt guilty because I had a baby. Yeah. And there were so many people that didn't. So then I'd end up in this like sick, twisted, like guilt for just having a baby. Yeah. Like I I felt like I didn't get to enjoy it. Yeah. I I remember... One time you were like, we were talking about, because we never fully ever got to fully get into it because we always had the babies. But I remember one time you were kind of expressing that you were having a hard time after Chloe and David said, but you've been good. You've been fine. And you kind of looked at him like, like you have no freaking idea. And it, I, that moment related to me so much because they just don't, because we're the type of moms that do it all no matter what I mean it's so hard work oh I was waiting for around like how long it would take me to cry <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry oh I... you're good you're good I just like <laughs> I like got like this wave of being like right back in it and it was it's like it's a it's lot hard. you know yeah I like I honestly forgot how I felt after glowing I felt like I'm like remembering that like I went through some really deep dark places after her I know, and I've really so come sad. out of it, but oh wow, like I have, like it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm sorry. It. Oh, you're good. We struggled. <laughs> we struggled a lot with those babies. And oh, we did a lot. And, and she was such a good baby. She was such an easy baby, but I struggled the most. Yeah, I felt a lot of hormonal imbalances. I still don't feel 100% of my hormones balanced, but my hormonal imbalance was nuts. And all that third baby rocked me hardcore. Like that third baby rocked me to my core. Like, oh, she made me question everything I was, everything. Like, it was a lot. I think that as hard as Zachary was, when I think about it now, because in it, you're just like, how am I going to get to the next day? As hard as it was with Zachary, he's the reason why I sought out help. And he's the reason why I feel like I've come over the hump and I'm on this positive light. So as hard as he was, he's, he's such a purpose for me. Like he, yeah. He's, he's a big, <laughs> he, he really um like brought the best version that I've ever I I've never known this Sylvia in my whole entire See, and that's life. how I feel with Chloe that's how I feel like I feel like I really found myself yeah it's like you know get getting on the hump and like processing facing facing it facing is like the hardest part but when you come down, you're like, oh my God, I like this person yeah. now. I didn't even know I didn't like that person, but I, I like this person so much more now. Well, so, like I didn't even see that I was growing. Like I didn't see when I was in it, like I didn't see that I was growing. And now that I'm like, kind, I feel like I'm kind of on the other side of it. Like I'm going, oh wow. Like those were growing pains. Yeah. You know, that was a lot oh, of growing pain. For sure. Um, but to touch on like you mentioned your husband and I just want to say that like having a partner makes a huge difference having a supportive partner makes a huge difference yeah 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 my husband happens to be your cousin (laughs) um so that's fun and I'm super thankful I have I have a very supportive partner in my husband um I wouldn't be anything that I am without him for sure. But it was a big struggle because there was one time we were in the house and this is one of the things I remember I shared with you. I looked at him and I said, I'm not okay. And yeah. he said, Behind. but it was a struggle because I felt like I was really trying to cry out to somebody. And he kept telling me, I would know if you weren't okay, because it's true. He, sometimes he does know me better than I know myself. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I love him to death and I wouldn't trade him for anything, but he wasn't recognizing it. He wasn't seeing how much I was struggling. And when I tried to cry out for help, he said, but babe, you seem like you're doing fine. I would know if you weren't. And I was, I, I literally looked him in the eye and said, I'm not okay. So then it made me, you know, it kind of made me not really want to reach out to anybody else because I was, I was telling people I wasn't okay. And people were just saying, oh yeah, yeah. Like, so yeah, I remember saying something, I think it was to my sisters or something like in that, in those regards of I'm not okay, this and that. And I remember my sister saying like, I'm like reaching out maybe I'm really, I've been really worried about you. I, I was kind of thinking about reaching out to Roger, but I didn't want to like overstep my boundaries or anything like that. Yeah. And then, and then you're like, I'm good. And it's like, it's like moments. I do feel like other moms were the ones that I could say something to, and they would, they would show me support. Uh, even just that text message from your sister of saying, Hey, I'm worried. Like even that much, I felt like only other moms were, were doing that. We're like reaching out We're even if I said, Hey, I'm good. I still just the fact that somebody reached out helped. Yeah. I feel like now more than ever, I'm like checking in on my pregnant friends, the ones that yes. just have babies. I'm like, are you good? Let me know if you need anything or like, well, I'll give I people advice. Of, like, like, yeah. I think back to me as the, the 21 year old mom. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I could have been so much more supportive to other moms. I had no idea. Other moms that had traumatic births or really difficult postpartum seasons. I felt like I kind of looked at it as like, I don't really know how I want to say it, but I felt like, well, I've got this. Why don't you have it too? I, I think about that a lot about my oldest sister because she was the first one to have kids and we didn't have kids for so many years after, like, I mean, we didn't mm-hmm. start having our own yeah. kids. Yeah. And so she was balancing her kids and stuff like that. And I thought not that it was easy, but I would have never yeah. even been able to relate to the struggle of especially having two, um, two and two years apart. And I, I feel bad for her in the sense that I was just like this little sister having a great time. You were kind of insensitive to her. So insensitive. Everything. Yeah. And I think I could have been like, think more helpful and more, I wish that I could have been more mature and, and been, because I just, I know that that was a really hard time because when they're little, it is the hardest time. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's really good mom. And I wish that I could have been there for her more. And she, as like our sister front, she was so on her own being the one to first have kids by herself for so long. Like we could not relate to, to that struggle at all. They were dressed so cute. They were, you know, they were good when we saw them and, and I would have never known if she struggled or anything, but I think what stood out to me yeah. the most is when she told me, I think in the last few years that she had, cause I told her how I struggled with my intrusive thoughts and things like that. And she told me that she warned her husband to say, if I start acting weird, like take me to the hospital. If I start Good saying weird her. things wow. or anything like that, take me in and that's why I feel like when the six month checkup, there needs to be more than just like a checklist. It mm-hmm. needs to be like an actual like mental evaluation with like either a psychiatrist or something like that. And then they're also I actually heard to- that on a podcast recently. Um, well, it was an it was an older episode of a podcast that I really like. It's called Coffee and Crumbs, and somebody was sharing that because she struggled so much with her first one and she didn't get help for quite a while after she was just struggling when she got pregnant with her second baby, what she did was towards the end of her pregnancy, she scheduled herself ahead of time. She was booked for a six week appointment with, or like, you know, she booked herself sometime within those first six weeks, she booked herself an appointment with her therapist. Mm -hmm. And so when she delivered her baby, that appointment was already there waiting for her. Wow. Yeah, because I, I thought that was great advice and it's not my advice. I heard it somewhere else, but I share it as often as I can, because if you, especially if you have an existing relationship with a therapist to have something 
scheduled where you know that you're going to have somebody to talk to um, can be a game changer. Yeah. I have a cousin that just had a really (laughs) traumatic um, situation where she almost died after having the baby from, um, I think it was sepsis and they kept pushing her away and saying like, you know, she'd go in the hospital. I don't feel right. I don't feel right. And they kept pushing her away until she finally went to another hospital. And they finally were like, yeah, you got an infection after having the baby. And I'm, I told her, I said, you need to go to therapy. That's so traumatic. Like, and it's not just about the delivery and having the baby and having your new baby home. Like you yourself almost died. And I think I related with that because when I hemorrhaged, I had the vision of, to this day, I can see Roger holding Alexander and looking at him and thinking, I can't believe I'm leaving him with this baby. Like I thought Mm -hmm. I was going to die. And that does something to your brain and you have to process that. But you're like, it's like in there, it's like in that animal brain, like it does something deep in there that, (laughs) yeah, your near death experiences definitely affect you. So, and she's like, no, you're right. You're right. I'm like, you need to go talk to somebody about it because that is trauma as much as like you get so busy of like your your baby eats every two hours and this and that that you put a lot of that to the side and then man Brittany you did a lot of pumping and breastfeeding and all of that that's a whole nother beast that's a whole other conversation (laughs) I gave up very easily um I I don't think mentally I could handle it and I knew that because part of it it is a mental game and that's that's definitely uh yeah another like important note for everybody that part of breastfeeding is, is getting over those mental humps. Yeah. Because you feel um, like such an obligation as like you're the main food source for your child. Well, I put a lot of pressure on myself Yeah, um, and I'm going to keep saying it. This third baby, man, she rocked my world and she humbled me big time. I struggled a lot with my milk supply with her. I struggled with pumping um, you know, and as a third time mom, just recognizing how much I was struggling with all these aspects of postpartum parenting, motherhood, everything, um, it really humbled me. And I'm really grateful that it, that it, it gave me a lot of empathy for what other people are going through postpartum. Being a mom changes you for sure. They're like, you soften up a little bit. And I think it even empowers, um, women, like standing by one another a lot because definitely feel like sometimes I just know that, you know, somebody delivered and I kind of feel weak to my knees thinking like, I hope, I hope she's has the support. I hope she's okay. And I tell people like, if you want to be there for like, you know, people that don't have kids, if you want to be there for your friend, bring her coffee, bring her pre-made meals, ask if she needs your, your, her laundry. Check in with her. Ask how need, your friends like, the outfits are doing. and the gifts and this and that. Like we need yeah. help outside of it. Yes. Like, no, a hundred percent. Hold the baby and while I take a shower. Again, I feel like that's something that, you know, you create that community of motherhood, you support each other and, and the moms who get it, get it. Like, it's not about the cute outfits, like support that mom. And again, first time mom, like I did not understand. I really didn't. I feel like it has taken me three kids to really grasp onto these things. And I say kudos to you. Cause I feel like you are rocking it. Like you are checking in on your mom friends. Like you are being such a good example of moms taking care of other moms, you know, this podcast, everything. Um, but moms need to support each other. And it's like you said, the meals, a coffee drop off, just a text message. How are you doing? How are you feeling? How are you healing? Like mentally, physically, those check-ins are, are big for postpartum. For sure. I think that that helps to feel like you have a little bit of a community, a community on that mm-hmm. end and feel cared for because all you're doing is caring for everybody else, especially when you, um, I know you and I both had three and a half year olds when we had our babies mm-hmm. and that potty training and all of that stuff was happening and the regression chaos. From- it was so hard. I don't know how people do it as single parents, because if I, cause Roger literally like had Alex and I had the baby, like mm-hmm. it was kind of that sense. So I, I feel for the single parents that don't have that support because it was already hard for me with the support. 
Um, so I, I feel for, for the people. So just like check in with your friends and try if they, especially the ones that don't have the support, like they need yeah. a shower sometimes, you know, they well, need- you don't know too, maybe they have a partner and they're struggling in their, you know, their marriage, their partnership, whatever the case is, maybe they're struggling, you know, maybe their partner isn't supportive. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's like, that's the number one thing. Check in on your, on your mom friends. I mean, check in on your people, but check in on your mom friends, you know, postpartum moms, we have to be supporting them. Our babies are what, 20 months now going on 20 are months. Are they already? Now? I just keep telling you. <laughs> I just kind of did the calculations. I'm like, how I old? Haven't graduated. I've graduated. 18, 18 months for so long. I'm like, there's no way he's still 18 months. <laughs> okay. Well, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> Oh yeah. So do you feel like over the like hump of that, a lot of that postpartum stuff? I do feel over the big hump. I feel like I was starting to get there at about a year, but I wasn't, I was still, I was still struggling. Um, I had a job change about five months ago that really rocked my world. Um, and that kind of sunk me back down into some negative places. Um, but I'm, I'm on an upswing. I'm coming out of it. I'm, I'm really trying to take care of myself and, and process things. I journal a lot. That helps too. I want to do that. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I go through fits and spurts and that's, that's one of the things, um, again, twenties versus thirties. I love how this keeps coming up is I'm a lot easier on myself. Yeah. Giving yourself grace. Big time. So when the mood strikes, I have at it. And sometimes I'll go for days on end, just journaling and journaling and working through things. Um, and then life gets busy. I drop off. And then when I get to it, I get to it. Yeah. Well, I'm always thinking of you, Brittany. Uh, we're in this together. I know it's been so hard and we shared so many tears together and <laughs> hard times, but, um, you always have a friend in me. And if you Likewise. ever just need to drop your kids off, I'll be take the whole gang. Get <laughs> the girl gang. Yeah. 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 We'll get together soon. Thank you for coming on the podcast. This Thank you for being so vulnerable. Fun. And yeah. I hope that we can do it again. Me too. We will. I love you. All right. I love you too. Bye. Bye. Bye.